listening to Unbound from Northeast Kansas Library System. To learn more about us, please visit nekls.org. I'm Dan Alexander, joined with my fabulous co-host, Anna Foote. Hi, Anna. How are you today? Hey, Dan. You just called me fabulous, so I am fabulous. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad you enjoyed that. (laughs) Thank you. Today on Unbound, we are exploring the strategic planning process with independent library consultant Brenda Haug and BASER Community Library Director Diana Weaver, who have both recently revisited this important process. So, Diana and Brenda, thanks for joining us. Could you please introduce yourselves and say hello to our listeners? Hi, thank you for having us, Anna and Dan. And Dan, it's so nice that you know how to pronounce my name, my last name. Um, So I live in Lawrence, Kansas, and I am the owner of Elucidare Learning. And I'm focused on working with libraries and library organizations, doing a variety of things related to staff development, planning, innovation. And I'll add that I'm a previous Neckles employee, so it's fun to be back and doing this with you. And working together at Neckles is actually how Diana and I met. Well, hi, everybody. Um, I am Diana Weaver, uh, director of the Baser Community Library. We're just outside of Kansas City. I've been the director here for 10 years, almost 11. Uh, I was at Atchison Public Library before that. And like Brenda said, I worked for a while at Neckles where we met. And um, I'm very happy to be back speaking with all of you. And thank you for having us. Diana, could you speak to how your former strategic planning has affected the library's collection services and programming? Uh, Our previous strategic plan went from 2019 to 2021. And strangely enough, we did not plan on having a pandemic. So uh, in one way, you could say that it kind of went all out the window. Um, But in another way, I think having the strategic plan that we had sort of grounded us and kind of reminded us of who we are and what our core values were. And so like everybody in in library world and the rest of the world, we had to be pretty inventive during that time. But it was very helpful to have that underlying mission um, and so forth there in front of us. So some of the benchmarks that we had anticipated reaching through the the plan were totally unattainable. But remembering the concepts of the plan were really important and helped us, I think, during that time. And so I think that's an important lesson about strategic planning is that you want to make your plan flexible so that you can respond to changes in the community and in in the environment. Um, although I don't ever want to have to be flexible in a pandemic again. Brenda, before you started working with Diana on this recent planning project, what was your experience with the strategic planning process? So my first experiences with strategic planning were while working for different organizations as an employee and being included in the process in different ways, being part of uh, strategic planning committees, things like that including being involved while I worked at Neckles. Um, Since becoming a consultant and business owner rather than an employee, I've helped with the process in various ways. So um, here at Neckles, for example, with your most recent strategic plan, 
you had me facilitate some discussions and activities with the staff and board. And in BASER, Diana invited me to help gather external input as she and her staff and board worked on their plan. Sometimes I get involved in a more comprehensive way, so doing surveys and focus groups plus interviewing. And then I've also done a lot of training and workshops helping people learn how to put plans together, technology plans, strategic plans, training plans, et cetera. It seems that you're both very keen on listening to stakeholders. What groups need a voice in this process? Well, honestly, I think it's a continuing conversation you have to have with your stakeholders and your staff and your board. Um, it's easy for us to talk as a staff uh, about what we think our patrons want, right? But, um, and you have to, of course, listen to your board and talk with your board because they have a kind of a total, totally different responsibility in planning than the staff does. Um, and you talk to the people who come into your library so you get that perspective, but often there's a whole segment of people you, who don't come into the library or maybe use it in a, a different way than those who come into your building. So it's really important to hear from them as well. I think it's really important to be out in the community, participating in things, talking about the library and really listening to the people in your community. But that being said, uh, for strategic plan, I think there needs to be a more formal process for getting input from non-staff and the people who are on your board. Like Diana said, I think listening to stakeholders is, is an ongoing thing. It's not just something you do once every few years when you're writing your strategic plan, we just learn so much by listening. And I have a quote about this that I pulled from the BASER report that I wrote for them. And this is a quote from one of the people I interviewed and I think really exemplifies how important it is to be paying attention to, your, to those external stakeholders all the time. But this is from one of the people I interviewed, a community member, and he said, Diana and her staff are very well informed. They keep their thumb on the community for the most part. I see Diana all over town. She is involved in the community so much and she gets a good idea of what's going on by her involvement and her staff's involvement. And then he added um, kudos to them as they're doing their strategic planning, looking outside and not the way most of us do our strategic plan and just keep rowing from within thinking we're doing the right thing. So kudos to her and her staff for looking out instead of solely inward. So that was from one of the community members in BASER who thought it was cool that the library was doing this, um, talking to them and listening to those external stakeholders. So, and just one more thing I'll add is that those voices, I think it's important to note that when we're engaging them, that they're the people we talk to are best equipped to share their perspectives, their experiences, their needs. So we're not asking them to speak for the library, but we're asking them to speak from those experiences, from those, from their perspective. And then the board and the director use that to craft the plan and the priorities for the library. So in BASER, the people that we interviewed were invited not just to talk about their experiences using the library, 
but also they talked more broadly about their community and about their lives in a, a broader way, which I think is important when talking to those, um, when listening to your community. Great. Thank you for that. I do know that Diana is always out in her community from interviewing her in the past. Yes, thank you both. And that's a really great quote from a community member. I, I love that quote. I was wondering, and we've kind of touched on this, but I would really like for you to describe the method that you use to create Baser's most recent strategic plan. And what do you see as the strengths and or drawbacks of this process? Well, first, we recognize that uh, we were at a point where we weren't really anticipating any major changes in the next three years. We have a long-term plan that anticipates that we will expand our building uh, in 2026, but we don't see that happening in the next three years. And then we also realize that because of external circumstances, namely COVID, um, we weren't really sure about how library services were going to rebound or, or come back or change. So we kind of owned that and acknowledged that, but we still wanted to have a framework to go forward. So we're the, and, and I was way behind schedule on getting this done, but um, over the last few months of 2021, we made some decisions about what we were going to do um, like who on the board was going to work on it. And it turned out that the whole board wanted to work on it, which was great. Although it, as far as drawbacks, that did probably prolong some things. But um, it's sometimes it's better to have a small group of people, but they all wanted to work on it. So that was okay. Then we talked about how we could get input from our stakeholders and from our staff. The board was really adamant that they wanted input from our staff, which I thought was great and very important. So then we made a timeline that to keep us all on track. So once we did that, I did a review of the current environment of our library district. Um, I used censusreporter.org. I used data.census.gov uh, and kind of put together a demographic picture of our community. And this, uh, the city of Baser at the same time was doing their strategic plan and I was on the planning committee. So I kind of stole or pulled from the information they had gathered. So at one of the board meetings, I presented all this demographic information. Um, and then I brought up the idea of using interviews with a select group of stakeholders um, as that more formal process of getting people's input. So I asked Brenda to come to one of our meetings and um, she kind of talked about the purpose and the value of interviews and how it would work. And so my board really saw the value in that in the one-to-one in the -one lengthier conversations, um, more than just a survey or, or asking the movers and shakers of the community that you always ask, trying to go beyond that a little bit. And so I asked the board to identify people they thought might have a perspective and an awareness that we would find really useful. So they chose seven people for Brenda to interview. And then I wanted their input about the questions that they were gonna, uh, that they were looking for answers to basically. Um, and the questions they came up were, with were kind of survey questions, yes and no type things, but Brenda's a professional and she did a really good job and she took those questions and adapted them into a, uh, questions that were conducive to a conversation. 
And then another piece of the strategic planning was to get staff input. So I led the staff uh, through a SOAR analysis at our annual staff in-service, which is strengths, opportunities, aspirations, and results. And then at one of the board meetings, I submitted what Brenda's summary was of her interviews and also the summary of the staff analysis. And then we discussed it all. And from there, we were able to highlight three goals that we chose for our plan. Three seems, two or three seems to be plenty, especially if you make them flexible enough. And so our final thing was to review the, our mission and vision statements. And then I started writing. So my role in the planning process for BASER, as Diana said, was to help gather input from community members by conducting interviews. And like Diana said, interviews are just a, a great way to explore people's experiences, their perspectives, their awareness or their understanding. Um, and for the interviews, two things were really important. Uh, who would I interview and what questions would I ask? And so like Diana said, um, she and the board, we talked about those things and they, they helped and guided me there to help get what they needed to know and wanted to know as they worked on the plan. Um, interview questions are open-ended and you're looking for more in depth information than you might get from a survey, for example. And these were semi-structured interviews. So I had that list of questions that the board and Diana helped to develop. But then as I conducted the interviews, when it's semi-structured, it's okay to go off script as appropriate. So for example, one person that I interviewed has deep knowledge of veterans in the community and their experiences. So it wouldn't have made sense for me to ask everyone about that, but he was able to provide insights and ideas and um, awareness of resources and needs that that was really useful. When you're doing an interview, you're always listening to what's being said, but also what's not being said. So you, you ask your first question, but then um, ask clarifying questions, follow up. If people are giving you pretty brief answers, probe to learn more. And then, so after each interview, I would create detailed notes from each of those interviews. And then I combed through them, kind of looking for common themes or buckets and created a report with those and also pulled out lots of quotes to help exemplify the different things that people said too. So. Interviews are just one research method and you'll choose your method depending upon what it is that you want to know. And so interviews are great when you're looking for new ideas or when you wanna understand how people feel about something or people's perceptions about something. You'll often pair interviews with other research methods too. So Diana, for example, did some data analysis and she did a number of things with the Baser Library staff and board in addition to the interviews. Um, as I mentioned earlier, for a big plan, I might sometimes do a survey and then several focus groups and also do interviews. So drawbacks to interviews would be that they are time consuming. So each interview was approximately 45 minutes to an hour. And then 
you know, of course, the time to set those interviews up, to work on the questions, to go through it and create the report afterwards. So um, they are one of the more time-consuming research methods. And then, of course, there's always who who didn't you hear from? So we talked to you know several people, really great insights, people, very thoughtful responses. But one of the things that Diana and I talked through after this is who did not we not hear from? And so we identified that the oldest person we talked to was maybe in his low 60s, but Baser has a you know pretty significant population that's in their 80s. So there's a pretty big difference in the experiences, needs, and things going on in their life for someone who's in their early 60s maybe versus someone in their 80s. Baser is a commuter community, uh, community, and we didn't talk to anyone who only used digital resources which Baser has those community members, but we, we didn't talk to anyone who was just a user of digital resources. Another thing is everyone I interviewed pretty much sees the Baser library as the heart of that community. Um, so we did have a broad range of people and you know how they use the library. Some people we talked to never check out books, some regularly check out books, some visit regularly, some hardly ever visit. But we, everyone that we talked to is a very big fan of the library. Um, so, but there are possibly people out there who don't think about the library or see the purpose of a library in 2022, and we didn't hear from them. Is it important that we do? I think it depends on your purposes, you know, your, your research questions where it was not important to get that perspective really for this particular research. They were looking for ideas. They were looking for perspectives on kind of what was happening, future directions. Like Diana said, the pandemic has really been kind of a shadow over everything. So thinking about hopefully moving past that. Thank you both for that. It must feel very nice to uh, know from so many different people in your community that they find you to be the heart of that community. I have a question for both of you, and it's a broader question than what we've been talking about. Do you have a philosophy of librarianship that guides you? I think I was drawn to the library field for the reasons that many of us are, you know, literacy, love of reading, valuing libraries and their role in our social infrastructure democracy. But I've had a pretty unusual or unique career path with libraries. And I've realized that I'm personally driven by and most passionate about learning. So both as a teacher teaching, so creating and contributing to learning opportunities for others, and then as a learner myself. So just continuously delving into new areas and projects that keep me learning too. My philosophy, I guess, or it's just my my passion, what it is that keeps me engaged, keeps me loving the work that I do after 25 years. Well, um, I would probably say something very similar. Um, for me, librarianship is about um, lifelong learning and the profession of librarianship is about facilitating that lifelong learning for everybody. In a public library, um, we have fiction, but you can learn a lot from fiction. And nonfiction, of course, we have film, which you can also learn a lot from and um, our programs 
you can learn a lot. And so just being able to offer that to people to facilitate that, that need to continue to learn um, is really what's so important to me. Brenda, Diana, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. It's nice to have our Neckles family back together again. It was a regular Neckles reunion. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having us.